Friends, and welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Rachofsky here, your host. Great to be with you. Friends, uh, today I am not just Nevada's favorite recovering ex-California. I'm also an extremely proud father. Permit me, uh, forgive me here for a minute. I'm going to get a little personal. Today is my son Daniel's 16th birthday. So 16 years old, Daniel, wishing you a very, very happy uh, birthday. I'm so proud of you. I, I, I don't – first off, I have no idea where this time went. Those of you who are parents, grandparents, you know exactly what I mean. I mean it just – these years fly by. It's almost uh, unbelievable because you have you – know, you, you, you have a kid, and, and, and everything really slows down, that first – child that you have, and, and Daniel's our, our oldest, things just really slow down in the moment, and, and and you just, well, days are eternal, nights sometimes even longer, as kids sometimes don't sleep through the night for a while, although Daniel was a was a good kid from the, from the beginning. He, um, well, he came out, he was nine pounds, five ounces. I joked that we, um, my wife gave birth to a toddler, so... <laughs> Well, he was, he was huge, yes, and um, and and so, but it just was, you know, it's it, it, every every week, you know, every month, there's just new experiences, and then all of a sudden they start school, they go, you know, kindergarten, that's still kind of slow, and then first grade, second grade, third grade, fifth grade, you know, and they're in high school, and it's it's just it's so fast moving. So those of you out there who are young parents, everybody told me this. They're right. Two things. One, it goes by really fast. Enjoy every moment. And the second thing I can say, now that I'm, you know, I'm potentially two and a half years away from my oldest being out of the house and going off to college, is, you know, you're never going to regret spending too much time with your kid. But you definitely will regret not spending enough time with your child. They grow up fast, and you know, and it, and it's and it's gone before you know it. So uh, keep the faith out there, parents. And and this this, by the way, is you know a lot of my view on the world uh, comes from being a father. I have three kids. I have a now 16-year-old today, Daniel. I've got two girls who are 12 and 10. My 10-year-old is, well, she's basically thinks she's 21. Um, but but you know, the, my kids are, well, why? because she's just a, she's a wise A-money money. She just, she says things that are very adult. You know, you know how young, you know, the youngest in the family typically just, they soak everything up from the older kids and they don't want to be little, so they they do everything they can to uh, to I don't know to to well to to be out to be on par with with the older kids, right? And even the sister that's two years older, our middle child, uh, you know, her younger sister, my youngest, thinks that you know she she ought to be you know at her level. It's the old why can't I do it? Well, you can't do it because you're you're only ten, so her instinct is to act much older. 
and she is, by the way, all my kids are, are very funny. And, 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 and one thing that I've always done well is talk to my kids and treat them actually very – speak to them in a very adult terms. Now, when I say that, I don't mean the way that the leftists running some of these school districts and constructing the sexually charged curriculum – that's out there, not in those adult terms, but but being very open and honest with them and explaining how life is. Make no mistake about it. There is an endless retinue of adults that want to tell your kids how the world is. And if you don't get in there early and talk to your kids in very open terms how things are, you'll you'll lose your kid. There's a story yesterday that popped up. It's been an ongoing thing. It's not news necessarily, but Elon Musk, you know, he's he's been with a bunch of different women and fathered a bunch of different kids. And one of his uh, kids, one of his son decided to be trans and change his name to Vivian. So Elon's got this transgender daughter. And that in of itself is not, you know, not the issue. The kid is, you know, the kid, Musk recently said that the, Girls turned into a communist, which apparently is – I mean, and I agree with him is, – is, is worse than being transgender. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And why? Well, it was uh, – one, I, I guarantee you she didn't spend a lot of time with her dad and instead was educated at a 50,000-a-year woke private school where they indoctrinated her to believe that anyone that's rich, successful – is evil, and that's and that's according to to her dad. He basically said, "Look, I don't have a relationship with her," which, for the most part, unless you've been through and this, you know, I I, I don't know if they were even married, the, the Elon and, and the girl's mother, but uh, but nonetheless, I mean, I doubt that he spent much time with her, and that leads me to say, you as fathers in particular, I'm talking to you, dads, you have to spend time with your kids. There's no substitute for it. And your kids are, trust me on this, your kids are ready to talk about important issues and they want to hear it. And the more you talk to them now, the more open you are with them now, the more likely you are to get along with them and for them to trust you down the road. I'll give you an example of this. You know, my, I mean, I, I have no, I, I went through public schools. I know what we were taught in the classroom, and I know what gave me the power to push back. Because I'd be the kid in the back of the room, and, you know, the, the social studies class, and the professor would, you know, teacher would begin telling us about the virtues of socialism, and my hand would shift. Yes, Sam. Everything you, ju- and I would say this to my teachers, everything you just said there, Mr. So-and-so or Ms. So-and-so, is Totally false. And I would explain what I knew, and I knew what, you know, I I had an education on economics, on politics, on history. From my father in particular, certainly both my parents participated in, but my, my father in particular took me on long walks as a kid, and almost every night we'd go and he'd tell me stories about how he grew up and his experiences. Growing up in Stalinist Czechoslovakia, these stories weren't lost on me. They were repetitive, and sometimes I rolled my eyes. I wish I had the kind of dad that talked to me about things going on in school. But as I got older, I appreciated the fact that I simply knew more. 
than the kids around me. The antidote to woke indoctrination in schools is the presence of the parent in the home. And it can't just be presence, though. It has to be, there has to be, a, you know, an effort to teach your kids right from wrong. And not, again, not just stealing and not stealing and, and honesty and all those values, but, but, but also, also, you know, you, if, if you're conservative and you understand what's wrong with the world, t- tell your kids that. I, I, I remember. And here I'll give you an example of, of something that I, I did with my kids. You know, when we would go and visit my parents' home country, the city they grew up in, were born and grew up in Prague, been there with my kids many times. But as I walked through, I explained to them the history, the devastation of the 20th century. I explained to them the history of what happened to buildings, to people, to institutions at the hands of the communists. I explained to them the horrors of of what the Nazi occupation was. We talk about it. And we, you know, and I would have these conversations. I'd I'd talk to them when they were quite young, when, you know, age appropriate. I mean, it's history is always age appropriate. It is. It's important to know what happened. It's important not to protect our kids. And I think one of the, one of the, you know, problems right now in society is that we almost, protect our kids too much we have emphasized this idea that uh, children ought to be uh, by the way even young adults frankly and some adults now be protected from hearing anything hurtful being exposed to any um, anything that is potentially distressing Remember, 15 years ago, we were talking about, 10 years ago, we were talking about safe spaces and college campuses, having trigger warnings anytime, you know, you play a, you know, show a video, gosh forbid, of, of the Holocaust, things that happened in the early 40s in Europe. Trigger warning, trigger warning. It's important to see the wicked side of life. It's important for 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 kids as they grow up to understand what happened and it and it and it sets them on the right course. But here's the thing. These same educators that lied to our kids and have lied historically to our kids about everything that with history who've who've openly taught I've experienced this openly taught the glories of of communism and socialism in the classroom. Now these educators are doing all that and more. They're indoctrinating your kids on sex. They're getting them confused about where what gender they are. They're turning your kids upside down. And so one of the things that, as I reflect now on my son's birthday, and I'm, I'm looking back at his 16 years of life and looking prospectively to his no-doubt bright future, I'm reminded of how important it is for us parents to take control and take charge and demand from our elected leaders the power to have decision-making authority and notification in our kids' lives. And they're taking that away at every turn. If you think I'm kidding, uh, I'm not. And it's one of the most important things that we as a society need to demand. Power back to the parents. Let the parents decide. 
And I think that the very evilness of the plot that these people are engaged in is evidenced by the fact that they continue to want to do it in the shadows. They want to hide it from parents. And they're pushing this very dangerous agenda, which, by the way, is unconstitutional. The courts have repeatedly sided with parental notification and parental rights. Uh, The Supreme Court has a number of decisions that have come down in this regard. But the left is not listening to that. They are pushing forward with their own agenda at every turn. I, there's an example just recently. I got to take a break. Just recently in California, they're doing this. The attorney general in California fighting efforts of parents to be notified by their school district about their kids' potential gender changes. And this is going on across the country, by the way. Sam Rachofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury law. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., here on News Talk 840 KXNT, Sam Rajovsky here, your host. So the case this week, uh, Attorney General of California, a guy named Rob Bonta. This, um, this guy, by the way, this position previously held by Kamala Harris, now Vice President of the United States. So Bonta's trying to make a name for himself, and he is suing the Chino Valley Unified School District there. Uh, which um, has a policy that went into effect in July, which mandated that school employees notify parents if their children ask to use a different name, a different pronoun, or want to use bathrooms and programs that don't align with their birth gender. In other words, parental notification of a very significant issue, no doubt. Now, I view this – let's just kind of start foundational. I view this as a, as a mental health problem that we're not treating. It's an untreated mental health problem because we're prioritizing the agenda of transgenderism rather than addressing the whole body health of the child. And I believe that, one, as a society, we have a vested interest in protecting kids – but we also have a very important protected interest here in, in, in the family, meaning supporting per parents and their rights to know what's going on with their kids. Now, parental notification is a, a right that has been given throughout our nation's history repeatedly by the courts and upheld by the courts all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, there's a number of significant parental rights cases um, but there's there's even, you know, I mean, even things like any kind of state intervention in the family. There's a Duquesne v. Sugarman. It's a case from the 70s. Um, the, the right family to remain together without the co- coercive interference of the power of the state. Reciprocal rights of both parents, right? The rights of parents uh, to... Uh, counsel their kids, to make decisions about their kids. Troxel v. Granville in 2072, Wisconsin v. Yoder. There's, there's, 
you know, there's there's some case law here that supports this. And yet California, the attorney general, is suing a school district for doing just that, giving parents the right to know and notifying them. The child says, hey, I got this problem. Now, I as a parent, I want to know this, right? If there's an issue with my kid at school, if they break their arm, if they need to take a, a I don't know, need to take a, <laughs> your school won't give your kids aspirin without 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 yes without your authorization certainly won't give them any kind of prescription medication but they're perfectly willing to set them on a course of great bodily harm potentially without you knowing and there's some horror stories of this uh and and by the way here's the attorney general of california explaining his decision for why this lawsuit was initiated and listen to how he describes this first let's call this policy what it is it is a forced outing policy it requires schools to notify parents when a student requests to use a name or pronoun to use a facility or to participate in a program that doesn't align with their birth certificate or official records even if the student doesn't grant them permission to do so and it goes against their express wishes even if the school staff member thinks they might be putting the student in danger. The student in danger. Right. You know what the student's in danger of? 99.999% of the time. The, the student's in danger of having his parents' common sense kick in and counterbalance the progressive uh, ideologies of the of the teacher or of the counselor at the school. So I I, I mean I, I mean that's that's what that's what the, the child's most in danger of, right? This is the idea, right? That a teacher who barely knows your kid can overrule you, and I'm not talking about signs of abuse, right? Listen, it's, it's parental notification, right? There's abuse, of course. They have to report it, right? But they're not hiding something from you. If your child shows up at school with bruises, what's the school going to do? They're going to call the If they do everything right by the book, they're going to call the police, but they're also going to notify you. Your child has bruises. We're concerned. And we're required to report this now. Because I'm a, you know, you know, if you're a, if you're a man, mandated reporter. But this is the, the idea, right, that this – that and this is what they want to do. And the reason is is they want at your kids. They want at my kids. All in an effort to turn them upside down. And it's maddening. Now, not every teacher, of course, in every school and every district is like this. And Chino was doing the right thing by, by stating a clear policy that this is the right way of doing it. But because I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, one of the many reasons why I left California is this kind of insanity. Absolutely despicable that this stuff is allowed to happen. By the way, it just feels now more than ever that if we're if you're waking up to what this ideology is doing, and if you're aware of what it is, it's a new form of elite. You can opt out of all of this madness. It's actually kind of I'll explain what I mean by that.
We return. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. And don't hold your breath. Just a couple minutes. Be right back. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you get hurt out there, folks, dangerous driving and whatnot, Particularly on wet days like these, traffic cones everywhere, streets blocked off, repaving the nightmare that is driving in Las Vegas. Be careful. Something does happen. Get some legal advice first thing. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com, because you deserve what's right. All right. I'll tell you what isn't right, and that's this terrible uh, situation unfolding here uh, over in California. Uh, Just to the west of us, our socialist republic neighbor, that's right, the attorney general there suing a school district for, well, for their new policy that says teachers and counselors and everybody at the school district has to notify parents if the kid the child at the school uh, decides that you know maybe they're they don't have the right pronouns or they don't have the right gender. I mean, it's common sense. Let mom and dad know. Get the parents involved. Some level, we can't ignore the fact that this is a mental health problem, and it doesn't even matter. It's a it's a it's a major issue that needs to be addressed by the parents. But the attorney general calling this a forced outing. Because, of course, the state knows best when it comes to your kids. Now, I just want to point out to you just how popular this change in policy was with the parents. This is from the school board meeting last month when the school board voted four to one in favor of this parent notification policy. This is from the Chino school board meeting where the parents showed up in force to demand this policy that now – The statists over in California think that they know better than all these parents. Listen to the reaction when the vote came through. And it went on and on. It's 45 seconds. Or more of solid cheering. Now here's um, here's what I I, I want to say about kind of life right now in general. It's Friday. We have a little bit more time. It's to expand on some topics. And and I you know uh, I, I'm I'm always I've always been a bit of a of a of a renegade. I think I was talking about this yesterday. I, you know I'm I'm a nonconformist, but it's my in my nature, and I, I question authority. But I would say that something very important and epic has occurred uh, in, in, in you know, observable change in our society over the last, let's say, five years or so. Because 
I'll, I'll tell you, and it's there's a new distinction between people that I I know and I associate associate with, and friends, and, and even old friends, family friends, and some family members. That there's really two kinds of people, and a new elite class is growing and swelling. By the way, swelling in support and in and in numbers. You have on one side the people that just consume mindlessly, right? The the drivel that is put out there on the media by the politicians, they just they just eat everything up. These are the people that have Trump, Trump derangement syndrome, for example. They they can't criticize Trump on one hand, see the good that he did. They can't see they can't see any shades of gray. They're just white and black. They've plugged themselves into MSNBC, CNN, New York Times. And they just they they just follow the script. And you know why they follow the script? Because it's easy. And because conformity, right? Because you're 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 in with a majority of people, or so you feel, right? So you're led to believe you're in with the majority, you're in with the in crowd. You're telling people to wear masks during COVID. You're you're getting a shot and you're getting boosted because you're doing the right thing. And you you basically get to live life in a Sort of a free of criticism kind of way. It's easy, right? And then there's the other group. And it's always been a very small group, but it's starting to swell in numbers. And it's people that say, enough is enough. I'm going to opt out of this. You know what? I don't care how vogue and how popular and how um, mainstream and cool it is. To say, you know, you know, it's some some kids are born in the wrong body, you know. You sit there and you go, no, that's nonsense. It's a literally, actually, bullcrap. My daughter, if she's were to be anorexic, you don't tell an anorexic. Well, you know what? You actually that is your your that's body positivity. I mean, you you let's let's encourage this and let's 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 go to a doctor and see to it that you continue to starve yourself because that's it's obviously your your self image of yourself and that's healthy. We don't we don't we don't address it that way. And it's only because there's not a leftist industry built around anorexia. It's it's, it's just not. And we see that those of us who have independent thinking acknowledge that this is madness. We also recognize that schools for the most part and I'm very lucky here in Las Vegas, my kids go to private schools. I'm able to uh, pay for that and afford it. I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I'm you know I I I think uh, I think you know I I I've, I'll be honest. I know a number of people more than I ever have that opt for homeschooling, take their kids out, roll their sleeves up, and say I'm going to educate my kids because I want them out of this system. I want them away from the crazies. And it's so admirable. When I was a kid, you know, I don't want to I had, had a close friend who was homeschooled. And I mean, let's be honest, the, the homeschoolers, well, 80s, some weird people out there. And I, don't, I mean no offense to it because I, I, have, I have some close friends who did that. But it was, it was odd. Not anymore. You know what's cool now? Being clean cut, being physically fit, 
not being a giant fat person with purple hair and 10 nose rings. It's starting to be this, this moment, a clean living, going out and being wholesome, having kids, having family, prioritizing that. You know, the, the left really has done a number in attacking the core nuclear family, which is, of course, the building block of any, of any decent and just society. They've made it their mission to go after families. And this is why religion is so important. I'm not a particularly religious person, but uh, I have great admiration for people of faith and for some, not all, but some churches that do tremendously good work and have always sought to prioritize the family. For example, uh, Latter-day Saints, uh, you know, the LDS Church is, is – uh, one of the has historically always emphasized the importance of the nuclear family, mother, father, and kids, and sought to empower parents to teach their kids and to protect their kids from what is outside of the house. They've always pointed this out, and 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 it's and you go into teaching, and that is. That now is it used to it used to almost almost be sort of fringe thinking. Now it's elite thinking, and and maybe this is a function of me getting older and 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 seeing this around me. But the people that prioritize their kids, protect their kids from all this insanity, are raising good kids. These are the people; those are the kids, by the way, that are going. That's the, the those are the winners in this next generation because all these all these. Poor kids who have been destroyed by the system, who have been turned into mind-numbed robots that have been indoctrinated in this insanity. But most importantly, constantly being told how terrible this country is, how racist they are, particularly if they're, you know, if they're a, a white male. Gosh forbid a white male going through most universities today is going to hear every week in one of his classes – how destructive his gender and his race has been on society. You have to, that has an impact, no? Particularly if that child doesn't have parents like you or like me who talk to their kids and explain them and prepare them because my, my kids goes to a – maybe if my, my, kid, my son plays water polo, so he may get a scholarship and go to a liberal university, but – He's not going to that, – that stuff, all that nonsense that they're going to try to put in his head is going to go in one ear and out the other. He's going to call me up at night, and, and la we're going to laugh about it is what we're going to do. But that's because he's been given the armor to go out there in the world and, and, and recognize these people for the jokes that they are. I, I'm I, – I'm, but I'm encouraged. I, I this ultimately is a, I'm, I'm telling you is a positive conversation because parents are fighting back, and they're doing it in spite of the fact that the FBI is out there pursuing them. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> just I, 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 I got a lot of people yesterday. Got got some emails from. I mean, some of them were quite deranged. Uh, my response to the Biggs sentencing, the January sixth Proud Boy. A uh, guy who you know was seventeen and years uh, in prison 
for the terrorism enhancement for pushing a metal fence. Remember, they called parents at school boards terrorists. When this DOJ, when this, when this DOJ and this FBI call somebody a terrorist, almost at this point, domestic terrorists, I, yeah, I almost think that's a badge of honor. Remember, Antifa didn't get called terrorists. BLM never got called terrorists. The people that tried to bust open the doors to the Supreme Court as Brett Kavanaugh was being confirmed, those weren't terrorists. The people that attacked the Supreme Court and other courthouses when the Roe v. Wade opinion was leaked, those people aren't terrorists. People that burn churches down aren't terrorists. No, the Proud Boys and parents at school board meetings. Badge of honor. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. The attack that the left has has effected quite successfully on our nation's institutions is truly astounding and it's worrying and it's something that needs to be turned around toot sweet. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. By the way, when we talk about schools and the extent to which they've been proliferated by radical leftists, think about the case this week of 12-year-old Jaden Rodriguez. Now, Jaden is the boy who had the Don't Tread on Me patch on his backpack. The school district told him he had to remove the patch or not be in class, went around and around. Finally, they caved, of course. The thing is, though, that the matter is not quite over. In Reason.com, Robbie Suave is writing about this uh, today. And he's saying that the Foundation uh, for Individual Rights and Expression, FIRE, which is a First Amendment advocacy organization, is representing uh, the boy. And they spoke with Jaden's mother, who said that quite contrary to what the school's publicly saying, (laughs) that everything's fine, the assistant superintendent of the Colorado Springs uh, school district there said that uh, her – the son, uh, Jaden – This kid is going to only be allowed to wear the Gadsden flag patch so long as no one else complains about it. Let that sink in for a minute. A subjective complaint from another person is enough to terminate, in America, right, where we have First Amendment rights, enough to terminate your right to express yourself. And you know why? It's very simple, right? It's not based in any kind of legal reasoning. It's because we have allowed this kind of thinking to permeate every sector of our society. And what I mean by that is saying I'm offended, you hurt my feelings, is enough to, what, warrant action. We've seen it on Twitter, right? Nonstop or social media, Facebook, Meta, everywhere. Somebody says something that's mean or that's hurtful, rude even, gosh forbid. Harmful and offensive language, and it is removed. When I went to school, we said, had a little saying, and you probably know this too, sticks and stones can break my bones, words can never hurt me. 
And that's what my teacher would tell me. You know, I'd say, oh, they're making fun of me. Okay, Sam, you're fine. Tell them to tell them to shut up. Pick yourself up. Be strong. I can't even imagine what kind of a worthless human being I would turn into if at every turn the conversation would be, oh, you're getting bullied. Oh, my goodness. My kids' school, even my kids' private school, they're, they're doing all these stupid bullying essays. I'll tell you what bullying is. Bullying is getting assaulted, getting your skull cracked open. That's bullying. Kids being mean is, is called a preparation for life. And I say this as somebody who was, by today's standards, endlessly bullied. I think my lucky stars that my, my, my teachers didn't, that this wasn't in vogue back then. So my, my niece is here, and she's staying with us for the year. She's visiting from the Czech Republic, and, and so going to my kid's uh, school, she's in middle school, eighth grade, and the first thing that they had to do when they started the school year was write an essay, interview somebody who was bullied. And so I said, oh, I want you to interview me. And I said, now listen, I, and I laid it on her. I said, I, don't, I, I, I think bullying was good for me. <laughs> I think – I obviously think I, I didn't – I got punched and, and, and beaten up a little bit one time, and I fought back, by the way, in, in middle school. I fought back, and we both got suspended, which I think was – that was the beginnings of that sort of that stupid policy where you know, I, I think if somebody bullies you and you fight back and, and punch him or kick him you know, and then fight back, you know, the, 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 you know it's good. Teacher should give you a thumbs up and say, good on you, kid. But this, this, that, that, that happened to me. But, but no, I, I, it helped me deal with negativity. I'm a far more resilient person because of what I experienced as a kid. We are not teaching kids to be resilient. And we're doing it, by the way, we're selectively giving the power to silence to people who, to kids, to complaints that help advance the school's agenda. So the school here doesn't want to see a conservative patch on campus. So they're empowering some little snotty-nosed kid to come in and go, I'm, I'm offended by this. Which in turn, right, which in turn then the school goes, well, you've offended somebody, so I think you need to make changes. You think that if that, you think that this school district would let a conservative being offended by, say, a gay pride patch have the right of veto for that to be removed? Think of, speaking of private schools here in Las Vegas, think of Meadows, the most famous private schools in Las Vegas. I mean, I, I've read the letters from kids there that have some conservative values, and school is, or at least historically – under their former uh, heads, head of school. I mean, they, they were not very supportive of, of conservative opinions, but absolutely pushed liberal agenda items like gay pride down everyone's throat, and you had to be on board with it, or else you got bullied. Literally. Got told all sorts of racist things and, 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 and hateful things that the school endorsed by virtue of not... <laughs> Not telling any of those kids to stop it because, of course, as long as actions align with the educator's agenda, anything is possible. 
the beauty of the First Amendment, the beauty of the Constitution is that it is it is opinion agnostic. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or don't agree with it, strongly agree, strongly disagree. You have rights. And this is fundamentally important to the evolution and maintenance of this of this country as we know it because we need to allow a marketplace of ideas to determine who's right and who's wrong. And I've always said this. They know they have the weaker argument. They know they have the losing argument, which is why they fight tooth and nail to silence us. Never forget that. Now, speaking of institutions that have been compromised by the left, the FBI, the Department of Justice, more on that when we come back. You do not want to miss the Sam Rajovsky News Talk 840 KXNT. Back in a moment. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Rarely wrong, always right. Your favorite neurotypical heteronormative talk show host. Sam Rajovsky here behind the What's Right microphone. Beautiful day downtown Las Vegas, a little rainy. I always like these days here when we get a break from the usual sun, sunshine, and heat. So this is uh, this is quite lovely. I'm look, folks. This um, the question of what to do with the FBI and the Department of Justice. As it becomes obvious, we have an institution. That has been completely politicized and infiltrated by leftists. I, I want to I, I want to tell you why. First off, this has been happening over a period of time and how it's happened. And it has been confirmed to me. I've 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 known about this for a while because certainly I, you know I'm an attorney and I went to law school and have friends that you know went to law school with me or other law schools. And I I became acutely aware that at some point in time, and and it's not all that long ago, the FBI stopped hiring law enforcement types and began hiring more lawyers and political science majors and other folks to be at the agency. A different group of people started coming into it, and this is – you know, when, when conservatives wonder, well, what happened to the FBI? How did it go from just the facts, you know, and, and, and enforcing law dispassionately and without prejudice? How did it turn into this organization that literally obstructed the Trump presidency and then subsequently is now pursuing Trump to the ends of the earth? And, and, and by the way, digging their heels in on all things Biden. So where, where did that come from? And the answer is, again, it's, it's the people that went in, in the, over the last 20 years. And I, I remind you that I saw this long-form uh, you know, sit-down between Bill Barr, who was Trump's former attorney general, who's been and, – and let's take for a moment. I, I understand a number of you have antipathies about Barr, but he is someone who is very bright – very smart, understands the workings of government, has seen it firsthand, and he sat down with Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ramaswamy's picking his brain, right? And Ramaswamy's running for, for election. This interview, by the way, 
is not you know hot off the presses. It happened back in April. And Ramaswamy, well, you got to put it into context. Ramaswamy declared his candidacy in, I believe, the 21st of February. And then in April, what did you have? Robbie, when was the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Was that April 1? So this basically, the context for this interview and a conversation about the politicization of the FBI is happening against a backdrop of, of Trump, you know, Mar-a-Lago getting raided. And then, of course, August 8th, 2022 was the raid. So the indictment came down when? I'm just here. Don't mind us. Live radio. Um, the indictment came down in, in, in April. In April, no? The first indictment, the documents indictment. Because I think that this interview here is very important because I, I want to understand the context for it. They're discussing... What went wrong at the FBI? And they get at this very interesting uh, issue of, of did it rot from the top down or for the middle out? And certainly leadership is a big part of it. But another huge component is that all the political science lawyers that are going into the agency and the, even the, the other professionals that have no law enforcement background going into the agency. These are people that are far more likely to become activists in their role so this well let's i'll take you the clip i think that does its best to start to sum this up is um the the intentional culture change of the bureau right and bill barr says this about that and 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 how people thought it was all Comey and maybe there's a little bit more to it. The, the Comey episode and Russiagate gave people the impression that the FBI was rotting from the head, that it was the leadership that was corrupt. It's not my impression. Yeah. My impression is it's it's found its way maybe less deeply than into universities, fair enough, but permeated, I think, the culture. Right. Of the bureaucracy itself. Right. And part of that, I think, was, you know, Mueller coming in and sort of announcing he was going to change the culture of the FBI. Yeah. And that culture changed at the FBI. Vivek asked, well, what do you mean by that? Right. What culture change? What did they mean when they said that? I'm not sure exactly what they meant. <laughs> the idea I mean, was. You know these people. You've worked with them. Yeah. What do you think they meant? I think what they had in mind was that the FBI was the, you know, was a law enforcement entity with a law enforcement culture, and it recruited mainly from the military and from law enforcement, police officers who had had good careers. And so the people understood chain of command, and they, and they, and they approached things from a law enforcement standpoint, which is, you know, following the process is very important. And... um being even-handed is very important. So for, you're not results-oriented, okay? And what they had in mind after 9-11 was that, we, well, we're no longer cops and robbers type agency. We're no longer go and react to crime. We have to prevent it from mm -hmm. happening in the first place. And so we had – I think it was sort of a foggy concept. A foggy concept, absolutely. The people that go from reacting to actual crime – you know, per, you know, finding criminals, the bad guys, to people that are looking to prevent crime in some amorphous sense, those are people like Peter Strzok, who go out of their ways to construct insurance policies against a guy who they have perceived, Donald Trump, they have perceived in, 
in their minds to be guilty of some, you know, well, unsubstantiated certainly, but but imaginary criminal conduct. And that's what is going on here. That's the context for this. Now, who are they hiring? It's not just, you know, not just lawyers, but also other types of people. Listen, they've changed the intake process of the kinds of people coming in, you know, or kindergarten teachers and social workers and so forth. Really? Yeah. To join the FBI? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So there's a lot more uh, different backgrounds that are that are attracted into the into the bureau, and they dumb down some of the the requirements early on. Nowadays, the physical requirements have been decreased by two thirds, what they used to be. Yeah. That has changed the culture in the FBI. You know, I've heard reports of agents coming in to turn in their weapons because they feel it's socially irresponsible to carry a gun. Socially irresponsible to carry a gun. You can imagine the type of person that is who thinks as a law enforcement officer that it's off-putting to, to be armed. This is – now it, it's, it's important to hear it because when – because the issue that you're constantly going to hear about is what to do with the FBI. And conventional old-school Republican thinking ain't going to fix this. Because it's not just going to be about removing Christopher Ray or whoever is in his position and removing the, you know, the C-suite executives at the FBI. You have a problem fundamentally with an institution that's been rotten out from within, who's now, that has now been completely poisoned by people who have no business being in law enforcement. Yes, the left want police to be social workers. So, of course, I'm not surprised at all to hear that the social workers um, are being hired uh, at the FBI. Now, I don't – well, let me just point this out to you. If, if you have a home invasion robbery and somebody is breaking into your home and you're not armed, okay, and you call the police, do you want a, do you want a police officer to show up that's got a gosh damn gun or do you want a, a social worker – I mean, it, this is astounding to me. Oh, yeah, I know. I guess, uh, I, I, well, I mean, aff- affecting a warrant against someone who is charged with a white-collar crime can get can get deadly. I mean, just look at, I mean, we recently had a, a fraudster here in Las Vegas getting arrested, and, and, and the guy put a gun to his head, and then, the, you know, the FBI agents had to call in Metro, and it was a, it was a mess turning in their guns because it's socially irresponsible. So Barr says basically this, the FBI has been infected by this, by this, bitten by this progressive bug. There are a host of issues that are involved, but they're issues that are in every institution. And underlying it is a, a change in a persp- what I consider to be sort of a progressive mindset uh, of, of younger people. Even if they don't wholly embrace the progressive agenda, they actually start thinking Mindset. this way. Right. Yes. It's a bu- and then the, a bureaucracy ossifies that. That's the way that it works. Right. Yeah, and it, 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 that bureau- bureaucratic ossification or you know, the, the absolute brittleness of that, of, that, of that bureaucracy now, there's only one thing that can be done with it. It's not – it can't be reformed. The whole agency, everyone needs to be dismissed and, and rehired and reintaked into a new organization. 
and deliberately as part of that process, a number of agents ought not to be rehired, quite frankly. The Peter Strucks, remember, Mr. Insurance Policy, we're going to get Trump by hook or by crook. Those people exist at every level of the FBI, unfortunately, and they've got to be booted out. So don't just – my point here with this bar sit-down, this is interesting stuff, and it confirms exactly what we need to be doing. And notice Ramaswamy is the only candidate who's willing to sit down like this and pay attention and listen to somebody who's inside the beltway. And he's taking notes, literally in this video, taking notes. Because he understands that as an outsider, if you, I mean, gosh, you know, imagine a world where a guy like Ramaswamy ends up being president. He needs to know exactly how to hit the ground running. Can't get trumped. Trump knew what he, he knew what he wanted to do, but for whatever reason in, in 20, you know, 2016, when he got in 17, when he got into office, he didn't know how to affect it. Very important, guys. We need somebody who understands this. I love that this is being discussed. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome to the What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT, poisoning the airways with my toxic masculinity. Great to have you with us. Just a reminder, uh, by the way, some side notes here earlier in talking about the January 6th convictions and sentencing were first of the convicted Proud Boys yesterday. Uh, Biggs was uh, sentenced, what, 17 years in prison, terrorism enhancement charges. I, again, I I just – here's a little soundbite of a guy named Ray Epps. You've heard about him, and these are all the moments where on that day he was agitating for people to go to the Capitol, never was arrested, certainly hasn't been put on trial. Listen to this. President Trump is finished speaking. We are going to the Capitol. It's that direction. That's where our true problems lie. President Trump is done speaking. We are going to the Capitol. That's where our problems are. Okay, folks, we need your help. As soon as President Trump stops speaking, we are going to the Capitol. Capitals in that direction. Let people know. Spread the word. I mean... That's just some of it. Go to the Capitol. That's where the problem is. Here's another news story. Let's see. This is from, well, this is uh, October 6, 2018. Protesters pound the doors of the Supreme Court following Kavanaugh confirmation. U.S. Capitol Police said a total of 164 people were arrested during the protests for crowding, obstructing the Supreme Court. This is from NBC News. A throng of protesters pushed past a police line, storming up the steps to pound on the doors of the U.S. Supreme Court on Saturday after the Senate confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. Hey ho, hey ho, Kavanaugh has got to go. They all chanted, oh, did any of these people end up in solitary confinement for months for obstructing 
the functions of government, for pushing police officers, assaulting police officers. Every one of you that has written me an email saying that these Proud Boys are terrorists and deserve, you know, 17 years in prison, it is, it is an embarrassing position to take given the complete and lack of, of any kind of prosecution of any of these people that did similar and, and, and I would say almost exactly, if not exactly, analogous conduct. If you read... And I had it here. Oh, I had it here somewhere. The uh, the full indictment, the original superseding indictment against these guys. I mean, the, the the charges there are obstructing an official proceeding. The charges are, you know, assault on on law enforcement, and the terrorism enhancement that this guy got was was what it was for pushing on a barricade fence that was in place. So pushing past a police line, if you're protesting a conservative Supreme Court nominee from becoming a Supreme Court justice, if you are, if you are aligned ideologically with the federal prosecutors, the law enforcement folks, the Department of Justice, the deep state, all of these FBI agents that we're talking about. If you're aligned with them, you're fine. You get a pass. But if you're not, you know, you'll end up in solitary confinement. Now, the Ray Epstein, I'm, again, I, 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 I am not uh, – It's very, these are going to be very difficult things to prove whether or not he was, in fact, a paid agent of the FBI. I think, of course, the – uh, the very uh, – obviously, every prosecution of these guys is public. Ray Epps is, is – certainly doesn't seem to have been arrested. There's no cases open against him, criminal cases open. So the fact that he hasn't been arrested – because everyone, even people who were just there got arrested, let alone people who were agitating for the crowds to move onto the Capitol – is suspicious. Now, the reason it's going to be almost impossible to prove is because the way the FBI operates with these informants is they pay them cash. It's off the, off the books. They, um, there's no trail. They don't put anything in – nothing's in writing. You don't get an official you know, FBI collaborator badge. You just, you just get cash, and you go do it. And then you get to sit and give indignant interviews like Ray Epps does and says, oh, this has just ruined my life, all these conspiracy theories. Yeah, we're asking questions, which is what you do in a free country. So this, all this stuff is just um, is maddening. By the way, a little bit of trouble in Washington. Speaking of Congress, Matt Gates yesterday sent out a tweet and he was responding to Kevin McCarthy, uh, putting a post on Twitter the day before about all the stuff that this productive Congress, Republican Congress, has done. And I'll grant you that they've gotten some things done. But here's Matt Gates' tweet, and it suggests that perhaps Kevin McCarthy is going to start to have a little bit of opposition from the uh, f- folks in the Republican caucus. Listen to this. No vote on term limits. No vote on balance the budget. No plan to have individual appropriations bills considered. No full release of J6 tapes. No spending cut to raise the debt limit. 
Trump has been charged with 91 counts. We haven't even subpoenaed Hunter Biden or any Biden for that matter. And then Matt Gates writes, I know it is the tendency of political leaders to self-preen, but the truth is that while some GOP housework has made positive reforms, it isn't good enough. Not even close, actually. And the final line, we are going to have to seize the initiative and make some changes. Well, if you'll recall, the rules allow even one member to call into question uh, the speakership and call for a vote of no confidence. So th- this, this could be a developing story here. Keep your eyes on this. No doubt Kevin McCarthy is going to be having some conversations over the weekend with Matt Gates and others. Sam Erjofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lots to still go over. Sam Erjofsky, back in a moment. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamAndAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian, lawyer, truth teller, and friend to all. Grateful to have you with us here. Happy Friday, folks. We made it. Um, by the way, show will be dark on Labor Day in observance of the Labor Day weekend, so we will not be here. Um, sorry about that. I think we'll do a replay that day. Uh, so, Producer Robbie, you're on it. Yes? Okay. Two thumbs up. Fabulous. Now, friends, before I get to the Canada story, um, I, I have to share this with you. I'll throw this up on social media later after the program. I, I I had a flat tire yesterday, uh, and I and I'm always, you know, you get the little warning, and my car gives me a warning saying that I have a, you know, a low low pressure. And I, so I, you know, I, I added a little air to the tire, and then I, I drove over to the tire shop, and I could see that I had a nail in the tire. And all I could see was the very kind of top kind of head of the nail, and it looked like just an average nail. could have even been a screw. Don't know. So I go over to Discount Tire. Great people. Uh, fabulous. And, and I, the guy comes out by the way says, we're able to patch it, no charge, which I think is incredible. So just letting everybody know. Second thing is, guy <laughs> says, here's a souvenir. And he pulls out, producer Robbie, how, I know this is going to provoke some laughter out there. How big do you, how long do you think this is? This is, this this nail is five inches long, minimum four inches. I don't have a ruler here, but it's unbelievable. I I don't even, I don't even know how I when I when I talk about roads here in, in in Vegas being wild. This is what I'm talking about. I have never in my life of driving cars seen something like this. You know, in in my tire. So I'll I'll put this up on Instagram at what's right Sam and Twitter at what's right Sam on Twitter. It's the same handle. Both places. I'll put it up. You'll you'll see. It's it's just it's huge, <laughs> and that it explains why I was when I by the time I got the air was going out of the tire pretty fast. So by the time I got to I was driving slowly. I took surface streets from my house to to discount tire. I'm driving around and I hear this clanging in in my wheel. I go, oh my god! I was 
worried that some, my, my rim, you know, the wheel itself had been damaged. Nope, nope, it was just a giant nail bouncing around in there. So, all right, good stuff. All right, so before I get to Canada, let me just mention this um, stuff with uh, Mitch McConnell. You know, he's been freezing up, and it's obviously some sort of serious neurological problem. He's uh, just, yeah, it's happened twice now. The latest incident was 15, 20 seconds of him just staring and then then shuffling off. Uh, of great concern. Now, oh, Biden, Biden uh, was asked about this, which is uh, kind of funny. Uh, Biden, of course, can't criticize any of it. And so so he, he pivots and he does something that I think is is probably politically deft, which is he – he praises McConnell, says he's a good guy, he's a friend, and he's obviously concerned. Listen to this. I spoke to Mitch. He's a friend, uh, um, and I, uh, I, I spoke to him uh, uh, today, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was his old self on the telephone. Uh, and uh, having um, a little understanding of uh, dealing with uh, neurosurgeons and people, and one of the leading women in my staff, her husband's a neurosurgeon as well, it's not un, at all unusual to have the response that sometimes happens to Mitch when you've had a severe concussion. It's part of a it's part of the recovery, and so I'm confident he's going to be back to his old self. Wow, did he just admit having a lot of experience dealing with neurosurgeons and the leading um, people um, on his staff? Her husband's a neurosurgeon as well. He quickly throws that in. I mean, look, it's no secret, right, that, that Biden is compromised uh, with his health, but it's, this is the first time he's, he's really sort of acknowledged it, and it's slipping out because he's, he's, he's not guarded enough. Now, he, they're blaming it on a concussion. L- let me tell you, by the way, concussions are no joke. I've shared this with you before. It's... It was, Early on to the What's Right show being on air here on News Talk 840, and I was I was still doing only an hour, and I was doing the show live like I do, and and I I I had just the week before had been filming a commercial over at the um, up in Henderson, and not not the Dollar Loan Center, but on the ice for for the Henderson Silver Knights and Sam and Ash, we were filming an, an ad where. Well, the ad required me to be on ice skates. It was at Lifeguard, Lifeguard Arena. So I, I, was, I was up there. I was filming this thing. Uh, I was there with Ashley, who, of course, is uh, Ash Watkins of Sam and Ash Injury Law, is, is an athlete. Whereas I, sorry to admit this, am not. And so I'm on these ice skates. Last time I was on ice skates was maybe 15 years before. And it wasn't pretty then either. So I basically... Ended up taking a tumble. It was a bad fall right on my head. And I had a, a, a very bad concussion. And I was on air the following. So this happened on a, I want to say on a Friday night. And then the following Monday, it might have been a three-day weekend. Maybe it was, in fact, Labor Day. I'm not sure. But it was a three-day weekend. And so on the, the next day that I was on air, I was doing the show. And I had some audio feedback go into my 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 ears, my my cans that I listen to here as I as I'm on air, and my brain shut off. It just it stopped working, 
I, I couldn't speak while I had sound coming in, which is very different to how I operate. I frequently will listen to clips and listen to producer Robbie and people talking to me as I do the show. Uh, there's always something going on. I'm able to do multiple things at once, and it's you know it's it is what it is. That's what you have to do on radio. But um, but that day I just couldn't. And there, so the that that look on McConnell's face. I mean, I I feel for the guy because you know I'm not I'm not a thousand years old, and even with a concussion as a as a relatively you know young or middle aged person, I I still wasn't able to function. But Biden here is. Is, you know, he feels for his friend Mitch and then admits to basically having, you know, lots of conversations with neurosurgeons, dealing with neurosurgeons all the time, um, who I'm sure are, are, are all very active on Biden's case. Now, the response to this in the media, the media began gushing about Biden's civility, and I almost wanted to throw up in my mouth. Civility and decency are long part of Joe Biden's brand. They have been his whole career. That right there is as Mm -hmm. decent and civil as they come. He is staying the course when it comes to bipartisanship and civility. Do you think Americans are noticing? Absolutely. The president speaks with a level of compassion and humility there that Republicans could never fathom or even convey, right? Like, and let's be real. They don't like the idea that this is something that they're going to have to respond to for a second time this summer when it comes to Mitch McConnell. But the way that the president is responding to this is that normalcy, is that compassion, is that humanity that people did support in 2020. These hard-driving journalists completely missed the fact that Biden admits to being under some pretty intense neurological care and proceed to turn this into propaganda for the for the mono party. That's what this is. Now, civility and the Biden brand, Biden's a, a jerk at every turn. He is an absolute a-hole. Anybody that knows, he yells at his staff, he cusses people out, tells people to pull their heads out of their rears, but he used his, he uses different languages. This is all very well known. But as long as you're a liberal, you get to treat people despicably, and they will cover for you because that's what the mainstream media does. Contrast this with the testimony provided uh, Tuesday before the House Foreign Affairs Committee by Gold Star Dad Mark Schmitz, who laid into Biden. You no doubt have seen some references to this this week. Listen to what Mr. Schmitz says. He lost his son during the disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal, which Biden and Mark Milley are personally responsible for, that left his son, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, dead, along with 12 other U.S. service members. Have a listen. Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, and even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military, and I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more, like, more important to bite my tongue 
But I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. While I stood there on the tarmac, watching you check your watch over and over again, all I wanted to do was shout out, it's 2 f***ing 30, But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. Pretty strong. How civil of Mr. Biden to sit there and check his watch as he's receiving dead service members. Now, this is... But, of course, the media mentions none of this, right? Because Biden, well, he's he's one of them. I'll be back in a moment, friends. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. There's been a story over the last couple of years that has gotten a lot of press attention, in particular also here, going back to a New York Times piece published in May of 2021, describes a horrible history of mass graves reported of indigenous children in Canada, an indigenous community there, According to the New York Times here, says it has found evidence that 215 children were buried on the grounds of a British Columbia school. It's a parochial school, one of many in Canada, set up to forcibly assimilate them. This had all the ingredients of woke magic in it, right? Evil, oppressive, religious white people pushing their culture, their faith onto some indigenous people looking to eradicate their culture, right? For decades, this, by the way, the story from Ottawa, for decades, most indigenous children in Canada were taken from their families and forced into boarding schools. A large number never returned home. Their families given only vague explanations or none at all. Now, an indigenous community in British Columbia says this has found evidence of what happened to some of its missing children, a mass grave containing the remains of 215 children goes through this. And the the stories like this over and over again, and it resulted in over 80 churches in Canada getting burned to the ground. Wall Street Journal, uh, this is a piece uh, earlier this year, the burning of Canada's churches. Dozens have gone up in flames, and the prime minister's response is tepid. Of course it's tepid, because in Canada they're, Socialist communist prime minister Justin Trudeau, the more than likely illicit love child of Fidel Castro. I mean, the two look, uh, it's a resemblance and not just an ideological resemblance. I mean, they really do look alike and families knew each other. So anyway, Justin Trudeau, they're not, not caring at all. It's been a difficult summer, meaning the summer of... 21 and 20, and then went into 22 too, for Canada's Christians. Over five days in late June, four Catholic churches and an Anglican church were burned to the ground. The first churches to be set ablaze or vandalized. 
Okay, suspicious fires then broke out across the country, and at least 56 churches have been set aflame or vandalized. So, today, in the New York Post, Dana Kennedy writing, no human remains found two years after claims of mass graves in Canada. After two years of horror stories about the alleged mass graves of indigenous children at residential schools across Canada, well, a series of recent excavations at suspected sites has turned up with no human remains. Some academics and politicians say it's further evidence that the stories are unproven. Now it then goes to say that the folks that leveled the charges still stand by them, of course, because they don't need evidence of any reality. They can just make charges up out of thin air. Accusations. And, I mean, this is this – is, it's just one of many examples where the left works itself up into a frenzy, works everyone up into a frenzy, and they perpetuate these lies. Why? Because they are convenient in pushing their anti-church, anti-white people, anti-Canadian culture, if there is such a thing, right? But certainly we see it here in America, American culture, pushing opposition to that, and any story that supports their position gets amplified. But the amplification of these stories has real consequences. People were hurt. Buildings were destroyed. Reputations were tarnished. Is there no accountability for any of this? Right? You hear all the same people yelling about accountability, accountability. There's no accountability for, for any of this. There won't be any accountability. This was all considered to be discourse. And righteous anger. The prime minister defended it. It's crazy. Meanwhile, truckers that blocked routes across the country, their accounts were seized by the government. Many of them were arrested. Right. So again, if you've got a government-approved message, you can literally get away with looting and pillaging. If you don't, you cross one little line somewhere, you're toast. Canada and America, it turns out, right now at least, have a lot more in common than they ever have. Now this also, by the way, this kind of hysteria also this plays into all the, all, all, the, all the environmentalism that goes on, all this, all, this, all this insanity. So MSNBC, by the way, did a thing on, on the climate. Slamming DeSantis for his ignorance on hurricanes, right? And they, they did this. It was, was Chris Hayes. Is that who had this? Yeah, Chris Hayes talking with well, – he's, he's, he had a panel discussion. But Chris Hayes' show says DeSantis is GOP. They're really trying to make climate worse. It's kind of alarmism, right? Listen. You would think that the people – who represent that uniquely precarious slice of land jutting out into the ocean in the path of increasingly severe storms would be fervently trying to mitigate the risk, reduce the enormous amounts of energy we are pumping into the atmosphere. But the reality is literally the opposite. Florida's Republican leaders are actually trying to make it worse actively. Governor Ron DeSantis is refusing to accept $350 million in energy efficiency incentives that Florida is eligible for under the Inflation Reduction Act. He's just saying... Burn it. No thanks to hundreds of millions of dollars. The rejection is just insane nihilism. On one level, it's hard to even believe it. 
that he's doing this. But of course, you know, Ron DeSantis also turned against the code vaccines, which is an equally obvious benefit for his constituents. <laughs> is it? Oh, so the code, <laughs> even if you thought you agreed with the first part, <laughs> just Hayes just shot himself in the foot. He tur- He was against the COVID vaccines that have an obvious benefit. Pfft, right. So then uh, Chris Jansing here with uh, Michael Mann uh, talking about climate deaths, responsibility for climate deaths by the GOP, all in the context of the hurricane here in Florida. Listen, you also stress there's still time to act. It's just a matter of how bad we're willing to let it get. If frequent death and destruction isn't doing it so far, Michael, what's it going to take? Well, you know, this is a question we're all asking, right? Um, and as Ali mentioned, you know, one of our two major parties uh, appears to be in denial that the problem even exists. And, and I'll tell you, they are going to find themselves increasingly out of step with younger voters, including young Republicans, uh, who overwhelmingly rank climate crisis, the, the climate crisis is, is one of the key issues because they know that they are going to inherit the legacy of the decisions we make today. This is insane. Climate deaths are down from where they were 100 years ago. Florida is experiencing more property damage because the coastal areas that have always been in the danger zone of major storms are closer to the water. There's far more people. There's greater numerosity of people living close to the water. All of this is discounted. And when they say, well, young people are going to be even Republicans are increasingly out of step Again, that's only because these people are so confident that their indoctrination efforts in schools are working. Let that sink in. All right, friends, have a great Labor Day weekend. See you here back in the studio, live and local on Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Have a great one. Be safe out there. Appreciate you all. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT.